Hello, everybody, and welcome to Explain It To Me Like I'm a 10-Year-Old. Today, I'm very lucky to have Dennis Litke with me, the founder of Big Picture Schools and College Unbound. Big Picture started in 1996 with a bold new school in Providence called The Met, dedicated to educating one student at a time. Now, they have over 65 schools in the U.S. and internationally. Then, Dennis went on to start College Unbound, which applies Big Picture's model to a college education. They serve adults who can continue working while earning a bachelor's degree at the same time. Dennis has been running and building some of the world's most innovative schools for 50 years. Hi, Dennis. How are you doing today? I am doing great, and it's 9.15 my time. I'm very proud that you got up at 6.15 to do this interview. Well, and the other thing I'm very proud of is, you know, you said you either got to do it early or it becomes too late, and you had done your research. You said if you were going to a big picture school, you'd be getting credit for this. You could do it at noon. So, <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Great to have you, Charlie. You're still a vegan? Yes. Yes, still uh, a vegan. You know um, Chris Paul's a vegan, right? Yeah, yeah. And he claims that's what made his uh, career great as a 35, 36-year-old dude. So. Yeah. Okay, so just to start the interview, got I have a joke to share. Um, there are three types of people in this world. Those who can count and those who can't. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very good. Okay. I don't do jokes, but I'll try to be funny as I go along. But um, knowing that you can't count or knowing that our data is wrong, uh, Big Picture now has up to 150 schools, 75 in the U.S. and close to 100 outside the country, from Kazakhstan to Mumbai to Australia, all over the place. Crazy. Oh, that's amazing. I'm sorry. I got to update my data. Yeah, yeah. We got to update where we put our data out. Yeah, that was in the But then again, you can't count, so it don't matter. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So my first question for you is, what is the mission of big picture schools? So the good news, I had to look it up. And, And that is because we know in the broad way, that we're trying to empower students, be they five years old or 55 years old, to help transform themselves um, and and to pull out their greatest potential, okay? And actually, you know, when I looked at the website, it's got words that I wouldn't use and a 10-year-old wouldn't use. And the good news for this is I speak like a 10-year-old. So this will be no translation for you. So it's, it's to empower our students to be better human beings. And uh, in my book, I talk about uh, people need to be activists. People need to be creative. People need to solve problems. That's what I care about. So how does the big picture model work? How do the schools work? So um, Elliot Washer and I... Uh, started Big Picture because 
we felt most high schools suck. Can I use that word on your uh, on on your podcast? Yeah, I hope that's that's that one's okay. That one's I okay. I hope it doesn't get you thrown off. I won't use the other ones. And we knew schools were all wrong, and so we really closed our eyes and said, if we didn't know there was such a thing as school, what would it be? And you wouldn't put people in a room and then say, here's science, ring a bell, here's go to another room, English. You wouldn't do that way. That's not the way we learn, you know? Um, Were you homeschooled at all, uh, Charlie? I was not. I was not. Okay. So when you homeschool, you wouldn't put a person in the living room, a kid, and say, read, and then come ring a bell and put them in the bathroom and say, we're now doing science, put them in the other room. No, you find great people for them to work with. You try to help them find their passion. You know, my friend's kid, um, Elliot's kid, many years ago, who hated school, didn't do well. I came over to Elliot's house like six in the morning on a Saturday. And the boy's up there on the floor with 10 notebooks doing all this work. And I'm going, wow, I thought he hated school. He was doing Dungeons and Dragons, man, because he loved it. And now as a 40-year-old, he works with designing games. So you took that passion, you know, and you didn't need a lot of this other stuff that's not relevant. You need to think well. You have to write and communicate. But that's what we do. So Elliot and I said, closed our eyes and said, every student's different, okay? So every student should have their own curriculum. And it should be real. It shouldn't be, you know... Schools were developed to keep kids off the street. And we want to put everyone out there. That's where the world is, right? So um, our mantra is one student at a time. Every student has their own curriculum. We have broad goals, but it's our goal is thinking like a scientist, thinking like a mathematician. It's not the concrete stuff there. Kid can take it, you know, all the math he or she wants, but we really want them to apply things. And so we start out in ninth grade helping a kid find their interest. And no one knows, really, because they haven't been asked. You know, and a kid might say, I'm interested in sports. Well, what about it? So then they go do job shadows with a sports trainer, with a coach, with an announcer, until they find something that they think they love. And then two days a week, they go right there. They don't even come in school, you know. And you have people working in hospitals, law firms, gaming companies, everything. And then they come back to school and they still don't go into regular classes, but they get the information that connects to their work. So, um, so they care about it all, you know, and they know, need to do math for a particular thing. That's when they're learning the math. Uh, um, so that's what it is. And consequently, in an urban area where attendance and graduations are usually not very good, this a, we're all public schools. Um, you know, that first four years, Elliot and I had a 98% attendance. The city that we're in had a 76%. We had like a 97% of our students went on to college. Uh, the rest of the city was like 50%. So we helped kids find their passion, work with it, um, and it didn't mean that's the field they had to go into. It was just a way to teach. I didn't care if they worked at a car mechanic, if they became a car mechanic. I didn't care if they worked at a lawyer office. But at that point, they were engaged. OK. And have you ever heard the word flow? F-L-O-W. 
Yes. So it was, I mean, it's a word that's always been, but its real definition came from this uh, psychologist that you can't spell his name, Mikhail Chiksamahai, who just died. But he said, flow is when you get in this perfect place of, of loving what you're doing, um, just going so deep in it that everything else disappears. And that's our goal. Our goal is to let every kid get in that space where they're truly loving it and working and going deep. And this guy also says, the way to learn to think like an adult is to study anything and study it deeply. So I'll say, I know I'm talking longer because you'll never get to your questions, but you can bag half your questions. Um, we had a kid who came into me, he was, he was a ninth grader, said he wanted to study the Vietnam War and I gave him some things I had. I had, I had traveled in Vietnam, I, I wasn't there in the, during the war. And he had an internship setting up a monument for the soldiers who died. He took college classes because he had the day to build with teachers. It was a college teaching teachers how to teach the Vietnam War. And then he came to the office and his final project, he raised money with a lot of spaghetti dinners um, for his final project. I asked uh, Joe Jr. I said, Joe, what interests you? I never asked you. His father was in the war, okay? Uh, came back and my student would ask his dad, daddy, tell me about the war. When he started five years old, Joe told me. The dad walked away from him. Joe asked when he was six. He asked every year. So for his final project, he took his dad back to Vietnam. Um, and he did a website on how to talk to your parents about the war. So, and then he went on to college, Joe, and became a history major. He now teaches at our school. But he didn't have to know the Boer War or this war or this war. He really studied something deeply. So that's the core. Sorry so long. No, no, that's great. That's great. Um, so how did you come up with the idea for big picture schools? So I'm a psychologist by training. Um, I wrote an article once that I knew schools uh, was a game and sucked when I was in seventh grade. I knew the teacher was just giving me stuff. I did reports. My dad worked next to a AAA brought home these books, I cut out pages, made, made little extra projects, turned it in. I didn't do anything, okay, and I got an A. So I knew it was a joke. So I always, I always knew the school wasn't right, okay? And so then I had the opportunity to say, what is right? You know, so I wasn't just a complainer. I said, how do I do it differently? And that's how, you know, I've been a high school principal and middle school principal and trying to change schools my whole life. And it ain't so hard. It's the right way people learn, right? Uh, you're learning, you're probably learning more through doing your blogs and talking to 14 people than you are with somebody teaching you a course in entrepreneurship. But then again, our course in entrepreneurship, we win the national, we win the regional contest of Nifty every year, our high school kids. And we won the national in the last two years uh, out of 20,000 students. And the reason we win 
Most kids in high school just do a business plan, okay? We have our kids do a business plan. We do a shark tank. They get money. They get an office in our school and run their business. So that's why they're better than everybody. Were you the, were you the guy that had the lemonade business when you were real young? Yeah, I think I did. Pretty good memory, huh, for this old dude? I remember your dad saying you were an entrepreneur from a, at a young age. Yeah. Um, All right. So I heard you also uh, started a college, College yeah. Inbound. Uh, so how does, how does it work? And what was the story behind starting it? So I love starting things. Um, and I'm one of these people that have, sometimes they say founders can't like carry things out, but I know how to gather enough good people around me to carry things out. And I'll see how many times I can use the word suck when referring to schools. Um, Colleges are built for the middle-class white kid. Okay, that's what they were built for. And if you're a, a low-income kid, the bottom quartile, and you graduate from high school and you start college, only 11% graduate, which is stupid. It doesn't even matter what color you are. And it's just stupid. It's not, it's not the kid's fault. Something's wrong with the colleges. So my thing was, how do I design a college allowing a lot more people to get their bachelor degree um, which helps people move up it's not the answer but it it is something that allows people to make more money to get out of poverty to get better jobs so again I took the philosophy of one student at a time find your interest and uh, it's a little harder you can't just start a college so everyone beats you up and tells you you can't do it. And you just keep going until I got, I was the first college approved in Rhode Island in 26 years. And you do all the work behind the scenes. Um, you're talking to the commissioner, you're talking to the board, your, your, your application is perfect. And then you had to go to a national accreditation. People said we could never do that. Did the same thing and we got that. So um, so right now we're a college for adults who I call it stopped out of school, not dropped out, you know, life got in their way. Uh, our average is 36 year old women of color who, for some reason they had to go to work or something happened in their life. They're raising a family. They stopped out when they were 18 or 19 and now they're returning. And I give credit for life experience. They're 36 years old. They've been doing great stuff. How do you give credit for that? Credit shouldn't just be given for what you do in school. You should be given credit for this. You know, I, I once met this kid, man, with his father who climbed. You can look it up someplace. It was about your age. His father and the kid's goal was to climb every mountain in the world, every major mountain. And what an experience. He was going to Nepal. He was going to Thailand. His language teacher flunked him because he wasn't there. He was in Nepal climbing a mountain and didn't uh, uh, take his final exam on time. How stupid. So we're building a college 
around people and their needs, again, around their passion, their interest. And our goal isn't, oh, how many courses you can take? It's to help you transform yourself, your family, and your community. That's what I care about. And we've been very successful. And we started in Rhode Island. And two weeks ago, we spread to Philadelphia. Oh, congratulations. If I can get your dad moving, uh, we'll put one out on the West Coast there, uh, Northern California. You could use one. Oh, yeah, I really could. That'd be great. And when you go to college and then you say, I'm way smarter than the college, I got to do something better. Then you come to college unbound, Charlie. That's all. Okay. Okay. So uh, what's your favorite part about running big picture schools in College Unbound? I think the thing that keeps me going is the students. You know, when you hear students say, you changed my life. I was a dropout and this and that. And now look at me, I'm a principal of a school or you know, I, I, I'm doing a program where I'm teaching teacher assistants to become teachers. So I'm moving people from $25,000 they're making to $55,000 and helping them teach like a big picture way. So the thing that keeps me moving is when I get a good letter from a student, uh, an adult or a kid, or they come up to me and I see their growth. I see in my high school now I have uh, a lot of my students that I had 25 years ago, they're kids. So it's kind of exciting to, I can tell them how bad their dad was <laughs> and that uh, they should clean it up. So it's really the people I work with, uh, uh, the students that drive me to keep going, you know, and, and to get ideas to help them be successful. So if you could just say, what are the top, three things you've learned in your 50 years of being involved in different schools? So, very hard to change schools. People are set in their ways. And when I talk about our philosophy, everyone nods yes. But then they ask, what about the chemistry class? Well, and then I ask them, when's the last time you used chemistry? I didn't remember anything, they said. Um, so it's a lot of unlearning. It's not just about believing in change. It's how do you unlearn what you've been used to your whole life uh, in order to move on. Um, the, the thing that I'm writing about right now is that when I gave one of these TEDx talks in New York, I was introduced or someplace, I was introduced that Dennis doesn't know, no. And that's probably the thing. I just wrote something the five times we were told no about the college. You know, the head commissioner said, Dennis, you will not have a college in Rhode Island. And it was a Friday afternoon at four o'clock. And I said, I'll see you Monday morning. You know, it was if you have passion for something and the right attitude, it's not a little project. You're not, did he expect me to say, okay, I'll go on to another project? No, it was my passion to get a college that could really be connected to the community, 
Um, and when the people did our accreditation, they said we're as much a community organization as we are a college. So um, it's not saying no, not giving up. Um, and the other thing is how to be honest. Everyone says they teach problem solving, they teach creative thinking, and then they test the content. And so I have what I call the big 10 in the college, which are uh, resilience, creativity, um, collaboration. And they're not only words, but everyone has to do a portfolio of showing how they have learned in those areas in and out of school and they get credit for it. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. That's, and I think with all my sneakers, I may give out awards to give away my sneakers that are called walk the talk awards. Like anybody can say what's right, but are you doing it, man? That's what's important. Well, you know, what, what was the hardest part of that journey of getting to that 150 schools? So that's a good question. Um, always the first one and having to prove yourself. And then people come along and there's a next one and next one. So it was never that hard because people love the philosophy. Uh, I was very lucky that uh, Bill Gates gave uh, big picture 23 million bucks over 10 years to uh, they fell in love with it to spread it. Um, so that part wasn't hard. It's the first one. Same with the college. In order to get accreditation, that took us years and years, you know, and we never gave up, man. Um, and now everyone wants one in their city. You know, there are people that say, no, no, no. Oh, that's cool. You know, they're not the early adopt adapters you know, adopters. So um, that's that. And another question I have for you is, you don't have to ever, like say their name or anything, but has there been a student journey that's been really moving for you that you thought was just really amazing? Well, I think the amazingness of the journeys, well, here's, here's a fun one. This was a young man who came to us who was uh, beat up a lot in his middle school. He told me they put his head in the toilet all the time. He came to our school and the nice part about the Met and big picture schools is because it's one student at a time, there's not clicks. There's not the jocks and the intellectual and the musicians. Everyone's kind of has their own thing. And he was working in the Entrepreneur Center and started making uh, doll clothes. So for a guy making doll clothes in a high school, he got a lot of criticism for it, right? But that was his passion. And his dream was, you know, making costumes. His person he loved the most was Lady Gaga. And he graduated, went on to New York School of Design, and two years ago did Lady Gaga's costume for a concert, you know, and which is just amazing. And, um, and then you have people, um, and this is great, man, you have a guy, a kid that 
smart kid that kept hating school. So went, kept, you know, going to an exam school, leaving, going to private school, leaving. Finally, he came to the Met. And all he loved was music. And everybody else made him do all this other stuff and music on the side. We made music his main thing. So he was in five bands. His senior project, he made his guitar. Um, he wrote incredible music. And he went on. He's the leader of a band called Deer Tick. Um, and we had a conference in Vegas. And I arrived. And I hadn't seen him a whole bunch of years, you know, because he's now 30 or something. And I saw a big sign, Deer Tick concert. So I went to the concert with a bunch of people and, you know, all the groupies yelling and screaming and uh, in the middle of the concert, he said, my principal's there. He said, I wouldn't have been here today if I didn't have that chance to really get into the music. And he said, I still remember it because this morning I fixed the guitar that I'm using right now uh, to play this song. So Thank you. So it's those kind of things. Other people that have become principals of schools who were the pain in the butt in school and we turned them around. So whatever people do, it's exciting if they're happy and uh, enjoy their life is what's most important. And they don't have to go to college. Um, they just got to be happy with what they do and, and uh, fulfill themselves. So what is your vision for an ideal education system like 20 years down the road? Well, that's great because I'll be 97 years old. Um, my vision is, is really like big picture schools. The technology is so good. You don't have to be sitting in a classroom, but we all need support. So it would be all our kids belong to an advisory of 15 students, same in the college, somebody following them and guiding them. So I think that's important. Uh, I'm talking about middle school and high school now, uh, mostly. Um, find your passion. Find, you know, during this pandemic, my students got mentors from all over the world. You know, they didn't have to go down the street, man, because they couldn't. So they started looking around the world for the best scientists, the best this. So I think everyone's got to have their own plan. Um, I once met the founder of Visa. And his idea is that everyone had a card with a certain amount of money on it. And you could use it to educate yourself however you wanted. Okay. So uh, this would cost you hundred bucks to interview me. That's part of your education. You'd go on a trip that would cost you. So it's really, everyone needs a very different kind of education. I believe in the personal connection. I don't believe in full online schools. My mantra is to get online, to get offline. So you learn something and then get off and do it. So, um, and it's about doing real work in the world, you know, and uh, you're doing real work in a podcast. You did real work when you had a lemonade stand. You're doing real work, uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, some kid in, in my neighborhood here collected socks for the homeless. Um, doing real work, that's where you learn. 
and to keep expanding it. And every kid has a separate curriculum. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. I enjoy this interview so much. Uh, you did an amazing job. Really? Or are you just saying that? <laughs>